You are listening to Feeding the Mouth That Bites You with Ashley Parrish and Jessica Pfeiffer. A weekly podcast guide on parenting teens and launching them into the world. As always, we are joined by psychologist and author, Dr. Ken Wilgus. Hey, everyone, and welcome back. Today is part two of your frequently asked questions. So in episode 80, we talked about homeschooling and, um, we, the question that we got was how do you pass responsibility for school, uh, to your homeschooled student who's actually taught by their parent? How do you pass that on? I know if your kid is headed off to school and they're going to public or private school where they're being taught by someone else, it's a little easier to say, well, these are your minimum grades and this is what we expect. If you're the parent, that's also the teacher. How do you handle that? That came up yesterday. And, um, so when you're more and more, when you get to middle school and high school homeschooling more and more, there's a cooperative that your kid goes to. And -hmm. some of these classes are actually, even though they come home and do the work, the assigning and grading is done by somebody else. And, and I really think that's worth very worthwhile. The problem comes when you're doing a completely in-home program where the mother usually is the one who not only is tightly in control of here's what you have to do, here's when you have to do it, and I will tell you what your grade is. Too often that begins to, it just in, uh, in, it, it increases the sense that, you know, this parent is making all the rules. So anything you can do to um, objectify the the assigning part, like uh, at the very least, let's both look at the screen uh, the computer thing. See here, it says you got to do this by this time, uh, and and um, and then the grading part. Uh, especially, it's hard on uh, English stuff that has a certain kind of subjectivity to it, and so forth. I would try to find ways to farm that out if you need to. You really want to give the appearance of um, this teenager and I are both following this thing that the people out there that do the curriculum are telling us to do. Uh, rather than, you know, uh, pretend like you're the creator of this curriculum. So the more that you can objectify the them that are setting the assignments and the them that are uh, grading the assignments, the the better off you are because you want to avoid the control battle that comes from the assumption that you as my parent are the one that's making all these decisions. You're the one that's uh, uh, not giving me a good grade. That's the worst part. So co-ops are really helpful with that. And if you can't do that at the very least, try to feign a certain amount of, wow, I guess they say you have to do this. And I guess you have, they, they say you got to do this by this point. And, oh, look, they say you got a 63 on that. <laughs> I mean, just, you know, as le- less of the uh, authority part as you can, uh, because that that's where you run into trouble is that assumption that, it's, it's, and again, it's usually mothers running this, that you want to minimize the assumption that it's my mom making all the rules and, and she's the one flunking me. That's where you get into trouble. Mm-hmm. Does that surprise you? Does it sound like it's, no, it sounds, thing? no, it sounds like a hard job. I've never been a homeschooled parent. It is and, tough. Uh, that would be a hard job to try and manage uh, your relationship with your teenager and that extra dynamic of being their teacher. There's a lot more homeschooling up through you know, like elementary grades. And then most Mm -hmm. of the time parents uh, find um, a co-op or a very small school setting that, you know, kind of does two days there, two days home. Those Mm -hmm. things often work out a little bit better, not to mention the social skills that are necessary to 
try to, you know, develop the uh, relationship, stuff like that. And I know that in our uh, state, there are several programs where you can homeschool. They have the curriculum online. You actually are responding to a teacher who is kind of overseeing your education and many other students um, checking in with you, making sure that you've completed these areas of right. competency and that sort of thing. That's so. gotten a lot better when it's that way. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then you can say, oh, I didn't grade your paper. You know, they, they graded your paper. You just submitted it online, but you are still the parent that's sitting there with them while they're. It's also the reason you want, that's right, you want to be careful about early on setting the um, example of uh, when your kid is sort of appealing to you to help me with this online teachers, you know, that, that they're, demanding too much, going too fast, whatever, be careful about setting the precedent that, okay, as your parent, I'll step in and contact your teacher and see what I can do. I'd be very careful about doing that. Uh, mm-hmm. Cause then that puts you you in the middle of their education needs to be, you know, much more uh, that's uh, for adolescents. That's, that's your problem. You, you need to figure out what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Dr. Ken, next question from a listener. What do you do to set up expectations and consequences, but a friend's parent, or in this case, a girlfriend's parent keeps filling in that nurturing space that you left and your teen is questioning and challenging the way you're parenting. Anyone want to get, what does that mean? What, what, what's that's very eloquently stated what's happening. What? So we've got a parent that's following the feeding the mouth way, right? Right. They've set up. They've given their teen freedoms, yep. responsibilities. They're treating their teen with respect. They're not babying their teen. Right. Um, but you have a girlfriend's mom that is filling in that space that you left behind. Like doing stuff for them. That over nurturing. Them. Yeah. Like yeah, way is, over nurturing. This is the problem with pretty girls. They just ruin boys' lives. Yeah. I'm telling you, you'll put up with stuff. <laughs> and so now your teen is being like, what in the world, mom? dad like do you even love me because <laughs> my girlfriend Susie her mom and dad are doing this for me now so you usually have the opposite problem and and that is that um you know you'll the teenager will pretend that my friend's parents are letting them do everything they want to do uh, i think when you get to a problem like this uh, especially it's easier if it's a boyfriend or your son and his girlfriend then always remember that the appropriate use of the sort of judo flip of pointing out that, you know, what you're complaining about, what you're asking for essentially is for us to treat you as younger. So you want to make sure it's, it's more likely that what's being interpreted is, Hey mom, um, you know, my girlfriend's mom, she takes care of these things. Uh, Why don't you do that? You, those are good opportunities to reinforce. The reason we're doing this is because we respect you. And we think you can handle that. And if your girlfriend, who's a sweet girl, uh, obviously isn't mature enough for that, I think that's a shame. But we expect you to handle that kind of stuff. If anything, I would just use that as an opportunity to clarify the underlying philosophy here. We're not backing off because we don't care about you. Um, We are, in fact, uh, handing over more and more respect for you. So it could be a a way to um, clarify that. And definitely as a mom, don't fall for that guilt of, you know, I should be doing more like this mom. She makes lunch for her daughter every day. And maybe I should do that. That's what we've talked about. That's the standard fearful parenting that runs a risk of keeping your 
adult child incapable of handling life. So that that wouldn't would be easy. Uh, like I say, usually they're asking the other way around. How come my friend's parents, quote, let them do all this stuff? And then you're stuck with, well, it's coming, but not yet. But that one should be easy. Like, I, I would agree with you, son, if you were eight, but you you make your own loan or whatever the thing is that's mm-hmm. uh, that make it's make it's probably making this mom feel like I'm not as good a mom as this other mom because she's doing all this stuff. No, you're being respectful. Well, and secondary to that question, and I remember reading this question through there, the other parents were challenging and questioning and criticizing what the parents who were doing the feeding the mouth things were doing. So does the mom of that kid approach the mom that's speaking poorly of her challenging or questioning or criticizing and say, Hey, cut it out. Don't be telling my son that we're doing all this horrible stuff and don't be criticizing our parenting. Should you ever step in with another parent when you feel like you're being judged or criticized or. That's a good question. You used Mm -hmm. to the answer. I mean, when I was a kid is that you could much more easily talk to another parent you've never met. And have the expectation that we have a pretty good overlap of what we're both trying to do. That is harder now than ever to to assume because parents, even parents are more, families are more isolated. Their their schedule of how they're treating their kids are often not in sync with others. It's one of the great advantages of a really good church where mm-hmm. you, you can support each other in, uh, you know, kind of dealing with these, hopefully kind of being in a similar uh, path. I have some churches that kind of do this feeding the mouth thing for their whole uh, parents of their teenagers, and it you know mm-hmm. gives them that support. So in this particular case, I think it would really depend. I wouldn't. Uh, you, the parent that wrote this question probably knows what I mean. I, I don't know if that's a good idea or not. You might have a mom who is you know she thinks she's the bomb, and 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 what I'm doing is just so sweet. And what kind of weird parents do you have? I think the issue is more talking to your own son. Mm-hmm. about um uh don't be defensive that's for sure kids don't you know know and secondly uh, i'd be pretty straightforward with wow so so her mom feels like she can just kind of describe what we're doing and comment wow okay so what do you think like i would be careful not to get into a defensive war this is a just another example of i think chapter two in the book is a confused culture i mean you you're gonna bump into other parents teachers it's surprising how often you'll bump into someone that has no clue about this, how to actually answer this need for individuation. So when you're on the right track, these are times that hopefully you can feel the confidence of knowing that, you know, that's a shame that this other family is actually trying to spin this as, uh, you know, my parents, I guess, don't care. Uh, you can, I think you can do a pretty easy job of saying, wow. So do they not know anything about respect? Do do they see her daughter as a, I guess, still a child? Well, that's sweet. Don't criticize those parents. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. But, but you definitely don't want, you don't need to defend yourself. You are not uh, backing away from giving love to your teenager. You are giving respect. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine a boy that actually would be, I, I want you to, step in and do more for me. I, I've, I've had very few boys that way, like that. My son would have loved it if I had done his laundry. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> or yeah, that's a, that's or made his lunch good or point. cleaned and up his room for him. My son the, would have loved all of that. Yeah, you use yeah. the old one, you six. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. That's good point. That's so funny. But I think it also too, like, man, I love you so much, 
Like, I just see the need to just show you respect in these areas and not baby you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I th- To me, if, you know, I don't know this mom, so, but I can't imagine where there's not an opportunity here. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's definitely part of that. You're living in a confused culture. We don't have, especially yeah. in the West, we do not translate our children into adulthood. Well, we don't know how to do that. But I think that also hits as moms in our weak spot. You know what I mean? I think that's right. I so I think, think that's, that's right. the the hard part mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure that's a big part of what's happening here. That's right. Okay, I have one more question for this episode. Gotcha. So if you have a a kid that has uh, ADHD and they have low grades and they're beyond failing, how do you handle that? Uh, and I would, you know, I think that there are lots of other situations. You have a kid that may be struggling with learning disabilities and other issues that uh, are struggles for them and they have low grades, they may be beyond failing. Do you treat them in the same way that you would, you know, say your other child that had grades that were A's and B's and they're easy for them? Yeah, this came up last week. So um, the the main answer is, is in a, in a way, yes, you still treat them the same way. What that comes down to is because they have this learning difference, ADHD, whatever, that what they're usually asking is, doesn't that mean we should wait, that we should extend our control and management a little longer until they kind of can do this themselves? My experience is, and ADHD is a great example, uh, that is not how this works. First of all, you back away and give them their own control over this, usually because the control battle that ensues when you insist on helping becomes not worth it like it's it's just not effective no matter how many speeches you give with look did you see your grades you're really failing and so i need to step in now i've never had a teenager go that's a really good point please come treat me like an eight-year-old they don't like it even if they're failing Mm -hmm. so uh but you know certainly if they're failing that means there's going to be quite a bit of misery that you don't have any electronics again. You don't have like you definitely are not going to be uh, there's consequences for not keeping your grades to a minimum level. But here's the other part that's really important. You have to remember that in adolescence, your goal is not only for them to get through school and do well, but also for them to gain insight into their own learning styles and struggles. They have to know what that struggle is. ADHD happens to be one that. Um, you know, I have a lot of kids who, you know, they've been diagnosed, they've been on some special, you know, some modifications, medications since they were seven or whatever. And they are basically used to this whole thing that's ADHD is what my parents, my doctor and my teachers talk about. It is critical that by adolescence, there's a, a turning point where they need to be knowing what this is and why I need this and so forth. So that's usually what parents are talking about is that they are cratering i want to protect them from that cratering now that's part of the need for developing insight is usually some struggle that they end up having uh, is uh, uh, a necessary aspect to the teenager gaining insight into what they need Uh, Mm -hmm. because the again i think the question usually is if we just maintain control an extra couple of years then they'll be better at this it's usually the opposite while you continue to manage it for them they don't gain insight into what's causing this. Uh, it's much better to be uh, using these opportunities to, you know, I've had parents that, you know, look, 
you're you're still grounded. You didn't get the grades up, and I know you were trying to. Are you sure that you don't want to try that medicine again? Because I know you don't like you know whatever the mm -hmm. uh, uh, we you know we have found that uh, organizational tutor, and I know you thought he was kind of a cool guy, but you got tired of it. But do you we're willing to do that? Do you want to try that? Basically, still offering the tools, still suggesting, but all the while remembering that this struggle they're having because they will have consequences for failing is part of the in, the uh, insight uh, process that's needed. You don't want a kid that you dragged through high school and I got him through and then he goes to college. And I've talked about this in another episode. College becomes 13th grade mm -hmm. where I taught learning strategies for University of Texas students that were on probation and mm -hmm. half of them were just because they had never had the responsibility of school on their own shoulders before. And mm -hmm. they were incredibly in lacked insight into their own ability to handle school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're kind of just delaying the inevitable. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. This has been a fun episode. I appreciate getting to talk about FAQs for two episodes now. Thanks for joining us today. Hit the subscribe button so you won't miss an episode. Also, leave us a review. This is how other listeners find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Feeding the Mouth. We appreciate you and would love to hear from you. If you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas about what we've discussed today, please email us at podcast at feedingthemouth.com.